last week, I dipped in, and I want to do this as our lab time. I hope you have your Bibles or a phone on a Bible, because I'm going to walk you through a practice of this. Um, I, I've got another set of notes, but because of time, I'm going to throw it. I'll, I'll email. If you're on our email list, get on there. But you need to know why this Bible's unique. I can show that in a page of notes. You can make a defense of why this is the most unique historical ancient document on the planet that people shed their blood. It's, it has to do with manuscripts. It has to do with fulfilled prophecies. It has to do with archaeology. It's all wonderful. I'm not going to do that right now, though. I want to I dig in and get to our deal because I, I kind of ran out of time last week. Last week, I talked about a Jesus hermeneutic. So he's talking about beholding the glory of the Lord. Tim encouraged us to do that together with the word of God and the Holy Spirit's there and a culture of prayer. When you're engaging the God-breathed word of God, it's a, it's a phenomenal thing. But I think the thing that makes the word come so alive is when you agree with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus prophesied, he'll take from what's mine, make it known to you, and bring glory to me. And then Jesus says, and we've had these verses, uh, I want to develop a Jesus hermeneutic, hermeneutic, sorry if that word is new to you, but it's a theory or a, meta, a method of interpretation. Okay, it's a lens through which you look through that will affect the way that you interpret what's happening, okay? So I am pro a Jesus hermeneutic. I got a book that I just got done called the Supremacy of Christ, a plumb line from heaven to earth. And there's a whole chapter talking about this, but it says in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it's they, the Old Testament, by the way, that are, that are witnessing about me. So they were looking for truth principle, how to do the law, 613 commands, stunning in the Torah, and they were trying to perfect all that, and they had lost Yahweh in the middle of Yahweh's word. And so he said, these are the scriptures, that are, they're just blasting about me, but you're refusing to come to me. When I show up, it's clear proof that you don't know what the Torah means because you're not sensing who I am. You won't come to me. So he's saying that it's all about him. Luke 24, 27, on the road to Emmaus, the guys don't recognize him. You remember the story. Hearts are burning. Jesus teaches them. It says, in beginning with Moses, that's the Torah, Genesis through, and all the prophets, he interpreted them, all that the scriptures were saying about him. So these two and they're not the only ones, verses set for me the primary subject of the Old Testament and obviously the New Testament, okay? And that is that Jesus Christ, it's revealing Christ. It's revealing the Son of God. Last week, I took a fast warp speed moment and gave you about seven places where Jesus is in the Old Testament. I mean, I was whipping out fast every time you see in Genesis 1, and God said... I believe that's Jesus. He's the word of God. Okay? When you see, let there be light and there's no sun, that's on the first day, the sun on the fourth day, that's the light coming out from Christ. John 8, he said he's the light of the world. And we went on and on. We found the seed on the third day. On the third day, the seed, which Jesus says in John 12, that he's the seed, unless it falls to the ground and dies. And we talked about all these cool illustrations. But here's the deal. I want to give you three primary ways that you're looking to find Christ in your Old Testament. Here they are. Number one, in types and shadows. These are biblical words, actually. That's really one category. It's similar, little nuance difference, but types. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, he'd been talking about how they sinned and sinned and the ground swallowed up a bunch of Israelites and they were gone, thousands. And then snakes were released. And he talks about these warnings to these people in immorality. And he said these 
these were given as an example to us that are living now. And the Greek word is typos. Okay, and that's where we get the word type, that they were a model or a pattern for us, not just history back then. Shadows are in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, where the Lord's talking about Sabbath and food. And he's talking about these dynamics in Jewish law in the Torah. And he's going, these were just shadows. They were like, not the sun itself. They were just a casting off image of the sun. And so types and shadows is the primary way that I think you find Christ in the Old Testament. They're all over the place. I mean, they're everywhere. And you want to be careful not to stretch it. But if you're going to stretch anything, stretch that. Number two, prophecies. These are direct predicted. This is direct predictive information about Jesus and his kingdom. Okay? It's like, thus this shall be. A virgin, uh, Isaiah 7. Is it 11? And the virgin shall be with child. That's a direct piece of information directly talking about that. There's a ton of prophecies. There's a 300-ish of the first coming about Jesus. There are six to 900, depending on how you count, of the second coming. You've got yourself a good thousand near of prophecies just about the person of Jesus. But then you've got way more even about his kingdom and his gospel. Number three, then lastly, are appearances. What I mean there is pre-incarnation appearances of Jesus. The name's not there yet. He's the same person, Yahweh. He manifests as the angel of the Lord or the word of the Lord appeared. So Jesus actually before the second person, Yahweh, gets in the womb of Mary and enters the human race. Yahweh entered the human race. That's shocking. Before that, he shows up in the Old Testament. He's there. He's called the angel of the Lord. People are bowing down to worship him. Or the word of the Lord appeared. That's my favorite one, by the way. And the reason is, is because John did not make up John 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God and with God, and through the word everything was made. He, call, he calls Jesus the word of God. And then the word becomes flesh. It's because he lifted that up out of the Old Testament because the word of God didn't just get spoken and they heard it. They saw the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord appeared to some people, okay? And it'll say, and the word of the Lord appeared. He saw it. It communicated. And it really was a manifestation of the second person deity. So, types and shadows, direct prophecies, or literal manifestation of Jesus. You do those three, and I'm telling you, multi-thousands of verses you'll see Jesus. And I want to make the case again. You are getting yourself in great agreement with the Holy Spirit when you go to find a person, not just principles in your Old Testament. I'm pro-principle. I'm pro-truth and all those things. I'm not anti that. But I'm telling you, you're shooting it short if all you do is find in the Old Testament a bunch of principles. The Pharisees found 613, that's what it is, commandments, in the Torah, and they were ripping each other apart breaking into sex, and they couldn't even see the Messiah when he showed up. Does that make sense? So you are sure, but if you go to the scripture to find Jesus, I'm telling you, you're going to have anointed foul power. So when they read the gospels, that's just so directly about Jesus. It's a powerful thing. The spirit of God will be there when you do that. And so you want to enliven your Bible study in the book of Genesis, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. He's all over Leviticus. He's in there. 
the sacrifices and the blood and the lamb and how they were. It's Jesus. It's talking. It's glorious. Um, do this thing of looking for him. Okay? So there we go. So I had a sister, Unchained Worship, right there. She had said, I did my homework. Did anybody, was, who was here last week and heard me go off for a minute? And who did their homework? Uh, I gave you homework. I said, go and find Jesus in the Old Testament. And you can't use any of the seven to nine I just used. Uh, I'm not going to grade you, but we're going to do it again. Here we go. I want to practice what we preach. So we're doing a lab time, and I'm going to do this. Um, I've got five minutes to roar through this, and I think I can do this close. Um, I need you to... Uh, now, just stay where you are. It's going, to be, it's going to take too much time to get into groups. I'm going to give you a category. I'm going to give you a passage. Everybody turn to Psalms 22. Psalms 22. And you're going to categorize for me and tell me, is this a type and shadow? Is this a prophecy? Or is it a manifestation, actual appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament? I want you to identify these three. And I'm giving you the tell that Psalms 22 is probably about Jesus. And so I want you to start reading through there. Start reading through there. Start reading through Psalms 22. This is David. See if any of the phrases seem familiar to you. I mean, look at the first verse. Why is that? Is that familiar to anybody? Who said that? Yeah, David's saying it here, but 1,000 years, Jesus is going to say it on the cross. Keep going. Two, three, keep going. It's a long, we're not going to go all the way through it, but going through there. And I, I don't have any prizes. I'm going to pretend like I do to give to people who get this right. But 22, Psalms 22, let me, let me point out a couple deals. Um, um, does anybody else see anything prophetic there? Verse 16, the dogs encompass me, a company of evil deer, evildoers encircles me. They have done what? Pierced my hands and feet. This is clearly so. Is this? What is this? What is it? Is it a type and shadow? Is it a predictive prophecy? Or is this an actual appearance of Jesus? What is it? One, two, or three. Which is it? Yell it out. It's number two. If I took you to Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. Da, 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 da. That's a number two. That's a predictive prophecy. There's prophecies all over the place, and I encourage you to identify. Get a highlighter that's your prophecy of Jesus color, all right? I recommend blue, but anyway, that, it doesn't matter. Get something. You're, you're looking for prophecies of Jesus. That's what that is. Go to Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 real quick. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Tell me what that is. Give me, is it a one, two, or a three? You can look up here too, although I wanted you to have your Bibles in your hands, but what is that? Is that a one, two, or three? One's type and shadow, two is predicted prophecy, three is a manifestation. What is it? It's two. Right there, there it is. For to us a child is born, a son is given, that's about what's about to happen. The government's on his shoulders, his name will be called all these things. So I mark it, I meditate it, I go, oh my gosh, 700 years previous, Isaiah was prophesying about the Son of God. And I can look at the phrases. Take your time. To us, a child is born, humanity. 
a son is given. That's divinity. He's the son of the living God. It's right there in those verses. And you take time and let the Holy Spirit marinate on your heart. Number, let me do this next. Genesis 18. No, don't do that. Do 1 Samuel 3.21. Everybody turn to 1 Samuel. You've got a table of contents. It's about midway through your Old Testament. 1 Samuel 3.21. Oh, I've got it up here. What is this? Three. This is an appearance, really, of Jesus. The word there in the Hebrew is he appeared. How does a word appear? Words are invisible. This is an appearing of someone at Shiloh to Samuel the priest. The second person of Yahweh is not ancient of days. This is the, it doesn't say the Spirit of God. That'll designate the Spirit of God. This is the appearance of the Word of God to him. Genesis 15, 1. Go all the way back to your left. Tell me which one that is. Oh, I've got it up here. This will make it go faster. And after these things, the word of the Lord came. And there's some good theologians to talk about. It didn't like, like it came in the mail, you know, or came through an angel. The word of the Lord came to Abraham and said, fear not. I'm your shield and your reward. And you'll be very, and be very great. Okay, so there it is again, a number three manifestation of the Lord there. Listen, in, oh, I don't have time. In Genesis 18, and don't, don't go there, but Genesis 18, three angels show up with Abraham, eat with him, start talking to him, but one of them starts talking like God. And it's called the angel of the Lord. There's multiple angels of the Lord, but there's the. Always watch for the word the. The angel of the Lord, Abraham bows down. He gives, you don't, angels don't let you bow down and worship them. And this happens a couple of times. Uh, Joshua will have an encounter with a captain of the host of army. It's Jesus, I'm telling you. Jacob's going to wrestle with an angel. He talks like God. It's an amazing thing. There's, some people call these theophanies, but they are manifestations of Jesus in the Old Testament. Lastly, Genesis 14, 17 through 20. Do we have that, Michelle? Genesis 14, 17 through 20. There it is. What, what is this? It's a type. It's a shadow. Hebrews is going to confirm this to us in Hebrews 7. But Melchizedek, a guy out of nowhere, shows up. And look what he does. Look what he does. See, he comes and blesses Abraham. He's a king priest. He releases a blessing over Abraham, and what does he give him? Go back, go back to the last, uh, two, the first two verses. What's he give to him? Do you ever notice that? Melchizedek gave bread and wine to Abraham. Why? That's why. Because that's the atonement. The gospel's right there. Melchizedek's feeding him the Lord's supper about two thousand years before Jesus will change the Passover. And it's this glorious picture of him in there. Listen, you can go on your internet and type in types and shadows of Christ. There are multiple resources that will give you tons of them. Take them, read them slowly, let it soak in your heart. And as I said last week, I think that you'll begin to memorize the Bible faster. You'll begin to make sense of certain passages like, oh my gosh, I didn't have any idea what was happening there. 
And so there'll be these types everywhere. Again, whether it's the seed on the third day or it's, it's Abel. How is Abel like Jesus, guys? What happens to Abel? Does anybody know what Abel's doing? Go with me. Cain's the first brother story. Not a good one. What happens? They're both worshiping the Lord. Cain's bring some of the fruit of the field, his pumpkins and watermelons. Woo, there you go. And flies would come and things would sit there. And then Abel would bring the firstborn of the flock. And what that probably means is he was making a blood sacrifice. What would happen? You remember what happened between those guys? What? God looked with favor upon whose sacrifice? Abel. Was he mad at Cain? Did he not like Cain? He loved Cain. But Cain was bringing the fruit like Adam and Eve went and got fig tree leaves. And he said, no, I'm reclothing you with animal skins because blood, blood is the way that you pay for sins. And so Abel is worshiping the Lord according to the gospel way of blood. And then what happens is Cain, in jealousy, kills him. And then the Lord says to him, his blood is crying out from the soil toward you. And we'll find out from Hebrews that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than Abel. Abel's word says, judgment, judgment, judgment. Get Cain and all his race that killed me. But the blood of Jesus speaks grace. It goes on and on and on. And we talked about last week, the ark is the covenant. We get in to express, to get away from the judgment. Jesus it keeps going on and on and on. And listen, I don't think that this is going to be, um, it's going to take you some intentionality and help of the Holy Spirit to read your Bible and find Jesus all over the place. But this is the thing that will revive you in the Word of God. It really will. You'll, you can commune with Him. You'll see the glory. All of the Old Testament, there's so much it's not written down through 4,000 years of history. What was written down was written down on purpose, even the genealogies, to get us to Christ. It's all speaking, proclaiming. I mean, listen, today, I'll be done with this. But This is how weird I am, and you can decide it. Put it in the Sam's weird deal or do whatever. Creation is preaching Jesus all the time. Do you understand that? Every day, the sun rises and the sun sets. I get light and I get darkness. Every day, today, trees preach to me Jesus. We got vines. I was looking out my thing and up our, up our, uh, our fence with some vines. And one strand of this was going above the six foot, reaching out into nothingness. And what I realized, this may seem weird to you, but I had a communion moment about it. Like all of gravity is pulling that vine down, yet it keeps reaching up to what? What's it reaching up to? To the sun. Why do it just keeps, I gotta get more light reaching, reaching while it's being pulled down and winds hitting it and dry. And I was like, oh my gosh, the gravity of this age and death and sin are pulling on me all the time, but I keep reaching reaching up to the Son of God so that I might be fruitful. Did that make sense to some of you? Well, that's a weird deal. So, I think a believer is one who's thinking more and more and more and more about Jesus and finding him everywhere, in your Bible, in creation, in fellowship, everywhere watching Christ manifest 
and his kingdom, and it really will unlock something within your life. There's nobody in here that says, I'm not a good reader, and I can't do, you, you cannot use that as an excuse. <laughs> You're like, Sam, I would never catch the seed in the third day. I stole almost all of this from Watchman Nee and other people like that. I read authors. They're on the internet. I just gave you enough to meditate on for the rest of the year. Take whatever somebody's found. You don't like it. Well, that's not my treasure. He found that. Stop it. I want your gold. You give me your gold. Tim said that was so, so good. Mining. I want what you got in you. And so a lot of people have done a lot of work in this that can explode your heart. And then suddenly your Bible will come alive and you'll remember it. Because your Bible is about the Son of God. It's about the second person of Yahweh and the redemptive act of Yahweh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit coming after us and how he's going to deal with his enemy. And we're going to get from a, new, a first heaven, first earth to a new heaven, new earth. Everything in between is getting there. And we're going to get a brand new one that's not satiated with Satan and sickness and sin. And we're headed there and the core of it is the Lord Jesus himself. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name, bless your people. Bless them in the Bible pray the Bible come alive to them. I pray new seasons of revival in the word of God. Not just because it, it doesn't earn us anything. We're righteous because of Jesus. But, but, but it, it, it causes us to be alive, to feed on the sun, to peer into his glory, to be transformed from glory to glory. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room and most who will listen to this later, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. And that they would see the Son of God in the Word of God. And that, Lord, you would truly transform them from one degree of glory to another. So, Lord, we bless you. We worship you. And we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to go to 710. I'll pay you back later. i got two minutes left. This is it. Does anybody want to give a rebuttal on this? Does anybody want to say, here's my problem why this won't work for me? I just want to give you a moment for that. Anybody? Anyone? You think I'm being sarcastic. I would love to hear somebody go, this is why this won't work for me. Because I would imagine the enemy is giving that to some of your brains. And it's a lie. It's a lie. The Holy Spirit's the greatest teacher on the planet, and he can reveal Christ to all of you. And so you just put your heart before him, and I promise you can lead you. Let's all stand. Father, thank you for all you've done among us tonight. We thank you for hearing us in our prayer meetings. And I pray again, revive us in the word of God. And here we go as a family. Let's just do it one more time. Father, bless the larger family of God in the city of Wichita that the majority will meet tomorrow morning worshiping, interrupt stuff you don't want, endorse stuff you do want. And we just pray you get your way tomorrow. That the ear of the bride would hear only what you're saying and the tongue of the bride would say only what you're saying. So, Lord, we pray for the family of God. Bless, let your kingdom come in Wichita as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it. Amen.